Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday, October 17th, and we have mostly made it through an absolute banger of a week of NFL action. As long as you ignore that Thursday night game that we don't have to talk about here. Joining me to recap all of the action from Sunday's week six slate is the great Scott Pianowski. Scott, we're a couple of hoodie bros here uh, on the recap show. So that's how you know it is firmly in the middle of the season at this point. Yes, it's October. It's getting a little crispy. We're also unplanned doing an homage to Bill Belichick, who, man, <laughs> is, he, is he doing it with mirrors? I can't wait to talk about that game. But yeah, it was an NFL Sunday. You know, every week is crazy in its own way. Certainly a lot of bricks, a lot of players who let you down. Hopefully the players who came through made up for it. You know, I, I'm hoping, Matt, we're going to talk a lot. Whenever we talk about fantasy, We the quarterback is the connective tissue of every offense. And we're at a point right now where there aren't that many quarterbacks playing that well. So to get Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes trading blows, and it wasn't like they were either, either one of them like played the best game of their life or anything, but it was just so nice to have that after withstanding just so much of the bad quarterback playing quarterbacks getting hurt and teams that can't seem to do anything right. And coaches, you know, there's so many quarterbacks who are on big contracts right now where we're, we're thinking, can this team get out of this? And is this coach going to get fired? And it was just nice to end the Sunday afternoon um, second window with that Bills Chiefs game and just enjoy football for a minute. Yeah, it was amazing. And I agree with you that like the lack of consistent week to week popping off for kind of quarterbacks beyond the top guys even like Lamar's had some you know kind of dicier games at this point it was great to see these two can't wait to see him uh again hopefully in the postseason I even had somebody say uh when I was like all right let's do this again in January like no let's do it again in February like enough with the NFC do away with that like just make this the Super Bowl matchup that would be nice doesn't work like that let's dive right into this game Bills 24 Chiefs 20 um let's start on the Bills side here you know this was a, a big Josh Allen game over 300 yards three passing touchdowns touchdowns he also gets a couple of smash runs there at the end you know the, the bills right now i think at certain points of this game scott there was a lot of like isaiah mckenzie a lot of not so great isaiah mckenzie moments he only ends up running a route on uh just under 60 percent of the team dropbacks it was like once they kind of 
leveled things to a lot of Stefan Diggs and like a sprinkling of Gabe Davis. They really started to find themselves 13 targets uh, for Stefan Diggs in this one. He just runs away with over 30% of the team targets. And yet there's, there's Gabe Davis, you know, running the most routes on the team. He only gets six targets, but he makes it count. It's like, I think we just have to accept with Gabe Davis that he's never going to be like a high targeted player, but he might be the best deep receiver like non-elite guys, like, you know, not the, the, the Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, like the elite receivers that are are great number one guys that nobody questions. But like in terms of just premier deep threats right now, like you have to put Gabe Davis in that bucket. And like because of that in any game, especially a high flying one like this, he can be a fantasy starter, even if he doesn't check all the same peripherals that we're usually looking for. Yeah, this isn't an apples to apples comp, but maybe he's got a little Deshaun Jackson in him, a little Devonta Smith in him. He's a home run hitter. He's not going to be a target hog, and he's on a team where he's not set up to be a target hog, but it's also the team that's probably got the highest touchdown expectancy every week. So as long as we talked about this last week, as long as Gabe Davis is clear injury-wise, as long as we're not sweating anything out with that off the injury report, you plug and play him. I think it's a locked-in wide receiver, too. Not enough volume to be in that wide receiver one group, but if you have a roster... A dear listener that doesn't need Gabe Davis, then you you know, really need to hear from you. You hit, you've obviously <laughs> nailed your draft. You're six and zero now, and everybody hates you. We don't, we don't hate you. We just, we're just trying to help the people who actually need some help. You probably don't need it. Interesting trend with the Bills, right? We think about fantasy running backs and their game script dependent. And usually, you want, okay, I want my running back to be in a game that they win and they win by a lot of points, and he'll get a lot of. You know, maybe cleanup carries. Devin Singletary is not quite that. Devin Singletary seems to get high touch games when the game is competitive. When the team doesn't fight back, the opponent doesn't fight back, like Pittsburgh last week. The, the Bills seem to understand that Singletary, he's he's not the sturdiest guy in the world. You know, he's a little bit undersized. They didn't use Singletary a lot last week, maybe with an eye towards this game. Think of they didn't play McKenzie last week, of course. So Singletary's the weird guy where if Buffalo's a big favorite, I'm not as optimistic to use him. I used him proactively this week. He didn't get a touchdown, but he looked really good. He collects, what was it, uh, 21 touches at the end of the day. Anytime you can get that in fantasy, you're, yeah. you're pretty happy. So I think the formula for trying to figure out the Singletary matrix is different than what it would be for a traditional running back. 100% agree with you. Really hard to kind of figure him out. Um, but I, I like the way you frame that. And I think it is a trust factor, honestly. Like, it makes sense from a real football perspective why they prefer him in these close games, like a big one like this against the Chiefs. You know, this is one they really obviously wanted to have. You could even feel it at the end when they scored that last touchdown that, like, there was about a minute left and nobody was uh, on the other end of that sideline for Buffalo, like, getting excited about it, right? Because they've been in worse. They've been in a worse spot uh, where, where it fell away from them. So um, I, I think that makes some says like Zach Moss healthy scratch in this game you know was a game day inactive James Cook was barely heard from so I like that analysis with Singletary um, you know he's never going to be a guy that saves your fantasy season but he can be a guy that's part of the equation last thing on the Bills Dawson Knox gets a touchdown here that was great to see I literally because uh, I've got a big game going against Evan Silver right now in the Apex Writers League we're literally tied 119 to 119 he's got Zeke Elliott left I've got Melvin Gordon left we'll see how that turns out um I literally screamed yes so loud when Josh Allen threw that touchdown to Dawson Knox because I've been waiting on it, and I got those two stacked in that league. Nobody cares about my fantasy teams, but I, like, scared the, the crap out of my dog uh, so hard. Uh, so hard I screamed that loud. So great to see from Dawson Knox. Don't know if it's sustainable, but he's still in that group of guys that you're chasing that touchdown every single week. If you don't get it, probably bangs you, but it is worth chasing. Well, you know my takeaway from that. I got to talk about dogs. Welcome to the great Abby Bean who's been – 
uh, added to the Pianowski household over the last couple of days. My team, didn't, my, my team did not score enough points for me to scare the dog. I wasn't, wasn't screaming that loud. But what I loved about that Knox touchdown, okay, first of all, a touch the laser from Josh Allen. They talked about, I think Tony Romo said in the telecast that he threw Knox open. Knox had really no separation on the play, but perfect offensive execution will beat perfect defensive execution. It's just one of my favorite throws of the weekend. And I welcome Dawson Knox back again. He's going to have some of that Gabe Davis problem where you, you're not going to see Dawson Knox piling up targets, but in the great tight end wreckage of 2022, all we want for Dawson Knox is for him just to sneak back in that top, 10 top 12 tight end bucket to be somebody you could start unless you're really blessed with royalty. He wasn't that for the first month. He wasn't healthy. He's back in the mix. He, he, we know he has a fair amount of touchdown equity. That's how he lived last year because he didn't get a ton of volume. We're probably going to look at the same thing. But if I have a healthy tight end on probably the best offense in football, that to me is a fantasy starter at the position we've had the most trouble filling this year. So welcome back in my good graces. I'll kick us off with Kansas City. You know, Kyle yeah. Edwards-Hilaire, they sure love giving him fewer than 10 targets. And, you know, some weeks we've seen Pacheco flash. Some weeks we've seen McKinnon flash. This is a week where there wasn't a secondary back in Kansas City who emerged. But I, I feel like Edwards Alaire is somebody I'd be trying to trade. And again, let's not pretend there's a huge market. People are not beating down your door for Edwards Alaire. But if should he have like, a, I don't know, 100 total yards and a touchdown in an upcoming game? Or should one of your opponents be really screwed at running back? And maybe you're one of the lucky teams that has four playable guys I'd like them to land on CEH, even in an Andy Reid offense. I feel like they like other backs. They don't view him as a heavy touch player. And so you you get lucky when he gets 80 to 100, maybe a 50-50 chance at scoring. And then other weeks you'll have what you had today. They don't want to give him any, just a lion's share of the touches here. There's other guys they use. And then the, the passing target tree was as, as big as the phone book, although most of it went to the guys we expect. Welcome back to the end zone Juju Smith-Schuster. So excited he took a taunting penalty later, although it was one of the most bogus taunting penalties I've oh, seen. Man. They should they should just let players be, you know, be happy and point a finger now and then or spin a football now and then. I don't think the world would come collapsing down, but it's just weird. We, we say this, I think, every week. For an Andy Reid offense, for a Patrick Mahomes offense, it's just surprising to me how ordinary the playability of this fantasy roster is. I couldn't agree with you more about the the officiating stuff, especially in a game like that, man. Like, let, let him talk. It, I said this during the game. It's as if they knew, the officials knew that all of America was going to be tuning into this game. So they had to go and be the main characters with just flag after flag after flag. And also some knucklehead making a, make a noise every, like, do you hear that on your TV? Like some, I mean, it was, it was driving me nuts. Uh, it's like, I know, I feel like I'm, you know, some... 80 year old man yelling at a cloud but it, i do feel i was, was driving me crazy but um yeah who who cares whatever on that note yeah with the chiefs receivers man i thought juju's reemergence was really interesting because you know he runs the most routes on the team um you know you look at mvs down there at 83 percent you know he doesn't even catch a pass in this game although he had a touchdown that was called back due to i think it was an ineligible guy downfield right um so so there is that but you know juju has like eight targets in, in a long string of games coming into this one. He just didn't get a lot going in terms of playmaking, but he does have 78 yards after the catch in this game. You know, one of those was kind of on like some bad tackling type of play from the Bills defense. But one thing I've said about Juju over the years, Scott, is that he is not a good man coverage beating receiver. He is a good zone coverage beating receiver, and he can still like to see him make those plays after the catch, I think was pretty important because if he's going to make it home, you know, in your fantasy lineups, you have to have him add some big plays after the catch because he's going to be a short average depth of target player. Like 
I think this was really encouraging for Juju. And I know that people were pissed about Juju because he's offered you such a low floor and ceiling combination. I'd like to think that this might be a moment that, you know, he starts to kind of solidify himself more because I just think he's still a, he's not a great player. A cert, like he's maybe a decent number two receiver, but we should theoretically be able to bet on a guy like that in this offense. So I'm hoping that there's more of a sign of things to come. Well said. Let me ask you one more question about the Chiefs, then we can move on. Because we have so much respect for Mahomes and Reed, who is the sleeper? Who's the stash on the Chiefs? Who's the player on this roster who right now you can't play him, but you're just waiting for his role to expand? I mean, I don't know if one of the backs, if Sky Moore, Hardman, MVS, who's the non-startable Kansas City player who you think is most interesting as a long-term stock? I think it's got to be either of the rookies, Pacheco or Sky Moore. Push come to shove, I think it would be Pacheco just because like a, a running back if CEH was to get injured or whatever, like that would that would make your season probably more so than a rookie receiver would, although we've seen that obviously make people season before. So I think it's those two guys. And, and the reason I think it's still Sky Moore, because he does flash when he's out there in, in today's game, 23% targets per route run. He only runs a route on 27.7% of the team dropbacks. I get it. But I think you could tell yourself a story that they have veterans ahead of him. So they're bringing him along slow, but he is their best man coverage beating receiver by a long shot. Like adding MVS, I just said, it's not Juju. You know, we know McCole Hardman's kind of an up and down player. So I still have hope that Sky Moore could be that guy in the second half of the season. Um, but obviously if one guy of those two is going to make your season, it would probably be Pacheco who I do think pops every time he's out there. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Go to the young guys. Yeah, agree. All right, let's move on to the NFC West game. Seahawks 19, Cardinals 9. Um, this didn't quite turn into the big uh, shootout barn burner that I think a lot of folks were hoping for. But if you had hope for Kenneth Walker, Scott, he certainly made it happen in this game. Yeah, and not only did Walker look great, but what didn't happen, right? DJ Dallas only gets two carries. And more importantly, DJ Dallas doesn't catch a pass. I don't think he was targeted. Now, Walker only caught a couple of passes himself, but we're not... You know, Kenneth Walker is like a, you know, a Derrick Henry type or an A.J. Dillon type, where we just want him to be involved a little bit in the passing game. He can make his, he can butter his bread in the running game. And they they certainly did that. They didn't throw the ball a lot. Geno still, I thought, had a, a pretty solid game, just missed on a couple of connections to Metcalf. I, like, I know you're frustrated that Lockett and Metcalf didn't do it, but credit the Seattle defense and Arizona didn't fight back. The Al Capone's Vault Award for Week 6, and you know, I don't know, 18% of our audience probably even gets with that reference. But it goes to Eno Benjamin, where this was the big reveal, right? No James Conner, Seattle's a turnstile. And what does Eno Benjamin do? He can't complain about the workload. He got 15 carries. He got 18 touches. He never had a run of more than six yards. Really disappointing. And I don't know if Arizona is more frustrated that they're long-term tied to Kingsbury or long-term tied to Murray. Murray just needs more help, and he's going to get Hopkins yeah. back soon. Uh, Marquise Brown was dinged up in this game. I still don't like the way they're using Rondell Moore, I mean, he caught the six passes, but it was a lot of that low dot stuff. Uh, Zach Ertz has been better than I expected, but, man, I, I feel like I say this every week. I can't believe Arizona was 7-0 last week. They were the Mercury Morris last undefeated team to lose because I, I'm picked uh, every week I'm auto-picking against the Cardinals. I don't trust Cliff. I mean, look, Murray had to run for 100 yards today just to try to keep this game afloat, and even then they never scored a touchdown on offense. With the, I think they scored on defense, right, on a, on a botch punt or something like that. This is, we use the word broken a lot with offenses. All week we talked about the Rams offense being broken, a little bit unbroken today against Carolina. We'll get to that later. But the Arizona Cardinals look broken to me. And I don't think getting Connor back, I don't think getting DeAndre Hopkins back is going to fix that. I think they just have fundamental problems in their infrastructure that can't be fixed within a season. 
Yeah, and the problem they get Hopkins back, like you said, but you mentioned Marquise Brown's injury. You know, you've seen a walking boot after the game. X-rays were negative. X-rays are always, almost always negative, right? Like the big thing is going to be the MRI. Um, you know, I've seen a few folks speculate on multiple week absence. They play on Thursday this week against the Saints. Like I would say, you know, very, very low percentage chance we see Marquise Brown in that game. So this is what happens with bad teams, right? Like this is how a season goes south is that the timing almost never works out for them. And the problem with these, like it's such a weird team because they've had Marquise Brown who has, I think played better than both of our expectations. Even if I like, I like Marquise Brown as a player, but I think he's produced more than I expected. Like you mentioned, you mentioned Rondell Moore. I get that his role is frustrating, but like, I think that's a pro- that's probably all he can do. Like I keep calling him a fake receiver because I don't think he is like a real wide receiver. He, and like Scott, you know, went back and watched his game against the Panthers when he had to line up outside because AJ Green was out there. It's like guys five seven, they're having to run go routes on the outside. They might as well throw you and I out there, dude. Like I mean, I I got a lot of height on on Rondo Moore, but he certainly got more speed on than, than I do. So like those plays are hopeless. Is we don't, we don't know I'm that. Saying. We don't know he's faster than you. Uh, I know Cliff- he is. <laughs> Oh, I know. What year? What year does Cliff Kingsbury get the Nick Saban, uh, fellow, you know, coaching fellowship? Right, where he t- he takes in Lane Kiffin, or he takes yeah. in Steve Sarkeesian, and says, "Okay, come here, be a coordinator, rebuild your brand, and then go get a high profile co- coaching job somewhere else in college." I, I don't think Cliff King. Look, coaching's hard, right? I mean, yeah. you and I are smart, but I mean, there there are. What you have to be able to do to be a coordinator or coach at any football level is incredibly sophisticated, but. I, I can say with a fair amount of confidence, Cliff Kingsbury's never coaching an NFL team again. Yeah, I think it's just how long does he last in this job? I mean, they just signed him to an extension, man. I know. Him and Tyler the GM too. and the quarterback, like they all gave these guys new contracts. And I don't know. It's just there's not a lot of hope to build on here. So, you know, we'll we'll see how much does uh how how comfortable is Michael Bidwell with paying people money for, for you know the, who don't work for him? I guess is the thing here. Um, and, any and concerns about how? Talk about how quickly things change. Remember last year, the NFC West was the hot division. Like, you know, every make every NFC West game an island game. And now it's like, okay, I mean, I like Seattle because they they kind of escort people down the field. Not so much today. The Rams have problems. The, the Niners, I, I don't know what happened to their defense. They have like 11, 11 starters, and I think seven of them are hurt or something like yeah, that. And they lose insane. to Atlanta today. It's just, man, the NFL is such a snow globe and they just constantly shake it. And the moment you think, you know, you're chasing a butterfly. And the moment you think, you know, where that butterfly is, you swing the net and the butterfly is somewhere else. Just real quick on Seattle here before we move on. I don't personally have any like big concerns about Geno Smith and and the passing game. Like, I think I'm going to continue to rank those guys. I mean, we're always going to sort of be on like turning back into a pumpkin watch with Geno Smith. But um, I think I'm going to need a couple more games here to, to freak out about it, even though he goes under 200 yards here. And then Ken Walker, like, I don't think I'll rank him outside the top 15 backs rest of the season uh, in like any given week. Uh, how about you? Oh, yeah. Walker's a locked and loaded starter. And, and Seattle, I got to figure that Arizona not doing much was more of a comment on Arizona than it is on Seattle's defense. So you, you want to say, okay, who gets to pick on the Seahawks next? It's the Chargers next week. It's the Giants. Uh, and then the Cardinals rematch in three weeks. So, um, you know, Austin Eckler, I, I, he'll be smiling all week because he knows he's up against that Seattle defense. I and mean, he's too polite to say anything bad about an opponent. But who knows? Maybe even Josh Kelly can sneak into some value in week seven. 
Hey, yeah, that's a good call, Scott. All right, let's move on. Bengals 30, Saints 26. You know, Joe Burrow comes in there wearing Jamar Chase's national championship jersey. Uh, and the results were certainly there. Seven for 10 for Jamar Chase, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Um, a couple of the plays here were the kind of things that I was like pulling my hair out wanting to see from this Bengals offense. Like they got him moving around, you know, a little bit Jamar chase pre-snap. Um, they get him on a curl route, which they had been running like no curl routes, no dig routes. It's just been like slants and goes for um, Jamar chase was ridiculous, which was ridiculous. So um, I don't think the Bengals have quite all the way figured these, this thing out in terms of their offense, but the chase big plays back in our lives was certainly a good thing to see. As soon as that news came out that Burrow was was repping the Chase jersey, I I just should have okay. What DFS contest can I get Burrow and, and Chase hooked up together? <laughs> Obviously, and, and it was a good week to do it because there was so much affordability in the backfield that you could pay up for premium players at other positions. Now, granted, one of those touchdowns, the Saints just pretty much said, "Okay, Jamar Chase, you're dipped in radioactive waste. We have no interest in tackling you near the sideline." I can't I, I can't decide if the Saints defense is really any good. I'm starting to think that maybe it isn't. They didn't have Marshawn Lattimore in this game. That's worth right. uh, worth noting. which is a huge a huge absence. Huge of course. Thing. Like, they did they did crush Joe Burrow on a couple of sacks at the point that I was like, is he gonna is he gonna get up? So yeah, they're a little hit and miss that defense for sure. Yeah, it's funny. You know, the first two games the Bengals couldn't protect Burrow, and part part of that was on Burrow. Quarterback sacks are also about the quarterback, and then the protection was clean the last few games. Today was in the middle. He did take three sacks. He took a lot of big hits. But uh, you know, he gets over 300 yards. He proactively runs in a touchdown, which is something he did a little bit at LSU. He hasn't done a ton of it in the NFL. I really need the Bengals in a year where I'm struggling to find answers on offenses. I'm struggling to find quarterbacks I trust. Whether or not I roster that quarterback, I just want to trust him for the connective tissue issue. It's just really nice to see Chase get off the mat. Mixon didn't have the greatest game in the world, but he scored a touchdown. He was active in the passing game. Burrow played well. I know T. Higgins didn't do exactly what we wanted, but he was healthy enough to get 10 targets. He's a darn good football player. Hopefully he'll be closer to 100% next week. It would really be good for fantasy if we can just count the Bengals as like at their best, like a top five offense and at their worst, at least in the top 10 or 12, just a plus offense that you want to watch, that you want to be proactive about when somebody maybe becomes a starter for a week or two, you can plug them in like a P Ryan or something like that if it ever comes to it. And I think putting up 30 against the Saints defense, again, without Lattimore that we still respect, it's a big step towards getting the Bengals back into their circle of trust privileges. Yeah, I agree. Like this is the the bones of it. There's still a few like pieces of muscle and tissue that we need to put on this offense, but this is the bones of it that we sort of wanted to see. And this is not, this is a unit we didn't think we'd have to be worrying about. Um, I think we can get there. You know, I've said this a lot on the podcast, but like different chapters of the season can look quite, you know, different from each other, right? Like if the December Bengals, look like the Bengals we've expected all along. I don't think anybody would be that surprised. Um, it's just going to come later than we thought. On the Saints, um, I mean, man, it is tough to keep up with this like wide receiver unit at this point. You know, No Jarvis Landry, no Michael Thomas, no uh, Chris Olave, who's the big name in this receiver room. And, and this looked a lot like the 2021 Saints, right? You know, they have a backup quarterback. Uh, Andy Dalton's in there. Um, I, I think Andy Dalton's probably you know, maybe better than Jameis Winston at this point, but that's like kind of immaterial to the point, you know, throwing a Marquez Callaway, throwing a Traquan Smith, um, you know, Taysom Hill does his fake tight end impression. He doesn't do much, uh, but Hey, that's like playing any tight end. Alvin Kamara does seem to be the constant here who, you know, he caught some passes uh, also had 19 carries as well. This is just not the saints we'd expected we were going to get, but that seems to be something we say every single week with this team at this point. 
you know, the Pro Camara people are, are probably going to be mad at me because he's played well two weeks in a row, and I did fade him before the season. I, I know you weren't particularly high on Camara either, but I, there's a guy I think you could sell high because he's had production, and this offense is not set up for him to score touchdowns. And even though he did catch six passes today, that's good. He had nine targets that went for 25 yards. It's not an efficient part of their offense throwing to Kamara. Again, we'll take all the cheap PPR or half PPR. You'll take all those cheap catches. You're not giving those points back. But this offense is not structured. I mean, Alan Kamara was what, like an 18 or 20 touchdown player a couple seasons ago? This team is not designed for him to be, I, I think, even a double-digit touchdown guy this year, even though he, the usage hasn't been a problem. And there's not a buoyancy to the offense. They don't have it with Winston. They certainly don't have it with Andy Dalton. Um, you mentioned Hill. I mean, like you can't be, really be that mad that Hill didn't do a lot because tight ends just don't do that much. I mean, he got your four or five points, whatever. You'll take it. There are better games ahead. Here's the bottom line with, with Hill and Kamara. If you go to a Saints game, I feel like you have a better chance of seeing Taysom Hill score a touchdown than Alvin Kamara, and that's why I would be trying to trade Kamara. Again, you know how I feel about this. Throw your receiver room on the block. Don't make it obvious what your intentions are. There's somebody in your league who's desperate at running back. Because touchdowns are going to be a problem for Kamara, I think it's a great time to maybe get more than he's worth in a trade. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, let's move on. AFC South matchup. Uh, Man, I I was excited to talk about this game, Scott, because... I mean, I didn't know Matt Ryan had like a almost 400 passing yard performance in him after what we saw Thursday night. But there's a couple of things here to talk about with with the Colts. No sacks. I think that's important. They uh, started Matt Pryor at guard. That was a nice little change. I think that made a difference. But this note from Pat Thorman kind of um, caught my attention. The Colts went no huddle on 47% of their plays today. That was the third highest no huddle rate of any game this season. By the way, Arizona, uh, the top two. Indianapolis produced their fastest pace by far, set a season high for offensive plays in 74 and scored their most touchdowns by, scored their most points by two touchdowns, 34 points on the day. Um, Again, that was Pat Thorman from Establish the Run. Obviously, you should follow him. He's great. Couple of things here, Scott. Naheem Hines had a quote earlier this year uh, where he said, you know, it's hard for us because we have to integrate a new quarterback every year that like each early season, you know, chapter has been like a discovery period. I think you could make an argument that, okay, maybe this is the they finally discovered it. They finally figured out um, what the offense they could play with Matt Ryan as their quarterback, although. They don't have their best player. They're running back Jonathan Taylor today. So is that a problem going forward, integrating him? But man, like if the Colts play like this, I'd, I'd love to see it. You know, the back of running back catches 10 passes and Deion Jackson, he got hurt in this game. You know, Michael Pittman, 13 catches. Alec Pierce, big play down the field. Hell, even Paris Campbell got in the end zone. So is this something, uh, you know, a sign of things to come for the Colts or is this a one week blip on the radar? Which way would you lean? Yeah, I'm curious to see when teams are a little bit more aggressive on the flanks. I mean, Matt, they obviously didn't want Matt Ryan holding the ball. So he, he has no interceptions, no sacks in a game where he throws it 58 freaking times. That's fantastic. And I love the uh, I love the adjustment. I love the playing up tempo. And you're right, not only is Pat Thorman a great follow, but he writes more about pace, about which teams that play fast, which teams that play slow. He's got his finger literally in the pulse of all that. And so you're getting some awesome tidbits from Pat that I don't think you're really getting from anywhere else. Much love to the established run crew in general, but I'm, I'm a big Pat Thorman fan, and I'm glad you, you brought him into the show here. Alec Pierce, here's America's hero. I thought his 
over under prop, which was like in the low forties was an easy smash. And he had like a bunch of near miss catches in this game. And I'm, yeah. I'm watching Matt Ryan throw for a million yards and I'm accepting that I'm going to lose my prop on Alec Pierce, you know, just a couple of jelly beans, nothing special, but I gave it to a friend and I'm like, ah, oh, this, this stinks. Cause I feel like this was the right play. And then the Colts already in field goal range, go for the jugular and they throw the home run pass down the right sideline to Pierce. He makes a hell of a catch, scores his first NFL touchdown and remember, I mean, there are some scouting sources who had him as like a top two, top three receiver in this class. It, it sounds kind yeah. of crazy, right? With all those Ohio State talented, talented kids and like Drake London, you know, who's going to be marginalized by Arthur Smith probably forever. <laughs> but, you know, that's another story. But I, I'm an Alex Pierce fan. I know he didn't have the big numbers today. Pittman went crazy. More Paris Campbell than I expected. Deion Jackson can play. Interesting that he just shoved. Uh, Lindsay out of the way. I, I I don't see any reason why Naheem Hines is better than him. I mean, I know they have they've invested in Hines, and of course Taylor's going to get back soon. But give credit to Frank Reich. Okay, they played a horrible game against Jacksonville the first time. Jacksonville spanked them, and Indianapolis said, "Okay, we're going to learn from that. We're going to try to self scout and put out something different today." This was a competitive game. Jacksonville was ahead for most of the way, but I'm just impressed that Frank Reich, in a short window, because this game the you know, the first matchup was just, you know, a few weeks ago, was able to come out with something totally different. On the flip side, maybe this is confirmation bias because I feel like I was a little bit ahead of the story and it didn't happen the week I thought it would, would happen. But man, Travis Etienne sure looks like the best running back on this Jacksonville roster. Yeah. Do you concur? I agree with you. Um, you know, I think it's kind of been like almost consensus opinion at this point, but you're right. You were saying this like three or four weeks ago that Travis Etienne might, you know, surpass James Robinson in time. I think we're kind of here. 12 touches, 108 yards for Travis Etienne, 13 touches. The thing with James Robinson is he's not going to totally and completely go away because he's good in certain areas. The team likes him as a pass blocker. He's like a good grinder back. Um, You know, it's sort of like on the flip side where you were talking about Alec Pierce. And I, I was with you, man. As soon as he had that big contested catch down the field, it was another like fist pump moment. Cause I was excited about Alec Pierce today. Um, I don't, you know, Paris Campbell might have to lose his job for Alec Pierce to truly shine. And I don't know that Paris Campbell is ever going to, I mean, he ran around on a hundred percent of Matt Ryan's a billion dropbacks today. So that's kind of where that is. And I think the same thing is true with the veteran, like James Robinson, where, you know, is he ever going to do anything to completely cede the job to Travis Etienne? Probably not. But I do think like it should be consensus opinion that James Robinson's probably like a desperation start. And I think Etienne's probably on like the flexible radar right now. I'll go with that. And Etienne also probably doesn't have the body composition to be a true bell cow anyway. What a strange game for Trevor Lawrence. Only two incomplete passes. But it was a lot of short stuff. None of his receivers really got anywhere except for Christian Kirk, who had the late touchdown deodorant and otherwise a quiet game. But Lawrence punches in two touchdowns. And he's just so he's he could be one of those guys who's just unstoppable on the sneak. And I, I could see maybe he has like a season where he leads you know the non-Hertz division in rushing touchdowns. That that seems plausible to me. But man, I, I don't know what to do with Christian Kirk because I thought he was going to be a circle of trust guy after the first few weeks. I know he got the late touchdown to kind of bail you out a little bit today, but maybe this offense and team isn't structured enough for him to be an automatic starter. I think you could say that... Let me think about this because I think you could say that with the, you know, one trend here between Christian Kirk's like slower games the last couple of weeks is that they've missed other receivers like Marvin Jones missed this game. Zay Jones missed the game before. And I know these guys are like, 
you know, whatever players, right? Literally um, Jags on the Jags. Yeah. yeah, Jags on the Jags, right? I mean, dude, Z- Marvin, this version of Marvin Jones might be worse than a Jag, okay? Um, maybe I could outrun Marvin Jones. Pro- no, probably not. I don't I don't think so. I think I would shred my knee the second I tried. Um, but that's a that's a story for another day. But the with those guys playing like playing less or not playing at all, then then we have an issue where Christian Kirk gets forced more to the outside and we want Christian Kirk playing in the slot. He was a 51% snap a slot player today. Um, that was higher in his bigger games. Like I like Christian Kirk as a player, but he has to be a slot player. He can't. And that was proven in Arizona too. You know, our guy Cliff Kingsbury took forever to figure that out. So um, I actually think that it sounds weird, but I feel like the key for um, Christian Kirk popping off is actually these other goofball receivers being healthy. That's a great observation. You're you're right. That is where Kirk excels, and we need a healthy roster to put the players who are better fits outside so Kirk can be where he shines. I also want to say that I loved Marvin Jones back in the day. He, he's had a really oh, nice too, NFL yeah. career. There's only four guys in history who have two four-touchdown catch games, and, and Jones is on that list. I mean, anytime you do something that, that Jerry Rice did, and like Marvin Harrison never did, Terrell Owens never did it, Randy Moss never did it, Marvin... Jones is on that list, so I, I don't mean to to, uh, to ding him too much. He's just, you know, he's near the end of his career. But I think you have the skeleton key for Christian Kirk, and I'll sign off on that. Yeah, so let's get those guys healthy. <laughs> Not so they can do anything, but so that they can get Christian Kirk back in our lives. Like I said, really encouraging game for the Colts overall, and especially for Michael Pittman. I think they can run this style of offense. They just have to get Jonathan Taylor integrated into it as well. All right, let's move on to the next game here. Steelers 20, Bucks 18. Scott, what do you have on this game? You know, we often talk about the running back dead zone, right? Round four, five, six, whatever it is, the tight end dead zone, right? If you don't go early at tight end, maybe you should just go cheap. This year, there's been a quarterback dead zone. Let's revisit your summer draft. This is my my preferred strategy in Superflex, right? Was that I wasn't going to be the first team to take a quarterback, but I wanted to take two good ones. And, and even in a standard start one league, I was prepared to, you know, go with the boring, reliable vet. Well, this is what the board looked like at quarterback. Quarterback eight was Tom Brady, who's been disappointing. Quarterback nine, Russell Wilson, he's crushing you. Quarterback 10, Dak Prescott is hurt. Trey Lance is hurt. Aaron Rodgers has really been a brick most of this season. Matthew Stafford, we haven't felt good about. Derek Mm -hmm. Carr and Derek Kirk Cousins have been, I would say, mild loss players. They're, They're not absolutely torpedoing you, but you're certainly not getting a surplus of value from those guys. And then it goes down to like guys like Kenny Pickett, Taysom Hill, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill. I'm just reading in a list. Uh, <laughs> Tua, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the first guy you could even feel slightly good about. Deshaun Watson's a wait for. Jared Goff's been good. He wasn't good last week, but you know, Jameis Winston. This is ugly, man. If yeah. you went che- if you went moderately cheap or full cheap at quarterback and didn't land on Jared Goff or Geno Smith, you hate your quarterback room and you're just looking normally, you, you know, I do the Q and a every, every Sunday during fantasy football live. And a lot of times people will have two really good quarterbacks. And I, I say, I know it's hard because nobody wants to trade for a quarterback, but you have to try to trade one. You try to trade one to a bad team in your league or somebody can't hurt you, whatever. This is a year I actually might trade for a quarterback. If somebody yeah. was lucky enough, I don't know, maybe they believe in golf or Gino or whatever, and, and they would be willing to trade like a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow or something like that. Normally, I'd be like, no, don't don't trade for a quarterback. You can pick one up. You don't have to do it. And I realize the NFL Snow Globe League, maybe two or three weeks later, we'll talk about, oh, these offenses have come around. But the Buccaneers, man, they 
and this is why I'm so worried about these offenses. I more more the Packers than the Bucks, but I mean the Steelers are supposed to be a get right spot. They just yeah. got absolutely pulverized by Buffalo. And granted, Buffalo is going to pulverize a lot of teams. But I thought Pittsburgh dominated this game, and only because the Steelers have such little on offense was this even cosmetically close on the scoreboard. This felt like a thirty to ten game. And maybe Tom Brady, all of a sudden, I mean, does he look 45? I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but he looks like 40. He looks like a guy who's playing his final season. And he's got, he can't complain about the personnel. He's got Evans. He's got Godwin. He's got Leonard Fournette. Their secondary players are pretty good. I, I think Tom Brady's going to be a fantasy loss player this year. And it's, I don't take any joy in saying that, but I thought he was a pretty safe guy. I wasn't expecting an MVP year or anything like that, but I thought the pieces around him would give him buoyancy. And I don't see it right now. I could not agree with you more, and I know it because I'll tell you what, Scott. I've got some good teams. I've got some bad teams. There's a this year. There's a through line through all the bad teams, and it's the one where I didn't take a quarterback early, and I was like, "Oh, Brady's my fallback guy. Brady's my fallback guy," because he had that great set, uh, that great cast of characters around him. You thought that this offense would throw the ball like it did previously. It's not really doing that from a pass rate over expectation standpoint. And, um, you know, I'll say the one unit that Brady d definitely, you know, can complain about and is complaining about is his offensive line. You know, he was hooting and hollering at him at the dam on the damn sideline today. Um, you know, I think, like you said, Brady doesn't look dust. He doesn't look toast. He still throws the ball really well. He just might be 5% worse, you know, something like that. And that thin margin for error for, a pure pocket passer in fantasy football matters a lot. Um, and, you know, the the weaponry obviously hasn't been at full strength uh, uh, throughout the course of the season. So there is that. But, um, yeah, man, I'm with you that my, my vibes around Brady sort of kind of encapsulate the problem with the quarterback position as a whole this year, which is if you didn't take a guy early, you hate your life right now. He's got five games with one touchdown pass. It's gotten to the point where anytime they're close to scoring, I expect it to be Fournette. Yeah. And, and I still think Fournette, they're, they're not a good running team. I think Fournette has still looked pretty good. And has like when he gets out there as a, when he gets out there as a receiver, <laughs> that's some of his best work. Um, I think actually them passing the ball more is good for Leonard Fournette. I think they kind of tried to slam their heads into a brick wall a little bit too much in this game against the Steelers. I watched a lot of this game for whatever reason. Um, really just excited about that Pittsburgh offense, I guess. But, um, you know, the, the more that, he gets kind of those early down carries, stuff like that, the less efficient Leonard Fournette is. So I actually feel like it would be better for everybody involved if they just threw the ball a little bit more. But that offensive line's not good in the run game. It's not really good in the pass game. And I feel like that's been an understated problem through the course of the season. Let's talk about the Steelers side of this here, Scott. Although, I mean, I, I get, well, just on the Bucks real quick. Like, I know we're sitting here complaining about the Bucks. Does this change any expectations for like all these guys are still every week starters, you know, the guys that, who we know on this uh, on this offense right now? You have to start Godwin. You have to start Evans. You have to start Fournette. I, and and I realize lower your expectations a little bit on those guys is not at all satisfying. It's not actionable, but um, there's just not. I really feel like there's more bricks this year than there are players producing. And those guys still have a lot of equity. I'm. I just, you know, maybe you wouldn't redraft them. We we drafted them, but I mean, I can't I can't come up with more than twelve or fifteen running backs I trust more than Fournette. It might even be yeah. ten. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I, I have him right around running back twelve or something in terms of rest of the season ranking. So that feels about right. On the Steelers side of this man, um, Kenny Pickett left the game with a concussion. Uh, Mitch Trubisky came in. You know, they were just good enough to win the game. Um, Najee Harris, who you know, I wrote a lot of like panic pieces. Uh, he still doesn't have like the the 
touch equity that you want, but he does have. Now I wouldn't I wouldn't call it pure touchdown deodorant, Scott, like that type of game here. But he gets the early score and like you feel fine about it. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Chase Claypool on the review episode last week. We talked about him the preview episode of this one. He's a he's a problem for fantasy football right now, Scott, because I I think that. George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are better than Chase Claypool. I think they're really good players, but credit to Chase Claypool, man. He, he balled out at the end of this game. Like he had some big catches. He has that potential in him. I think he's just, and he's sort of like their version of Corey Davis that, but a slightly, uh, you know, maybe even overstated degree because he's a young player. He's never going to fully go away or he runs more routes than George Pickens in this particular game. And unfortunately, I think that's just going to kind of have to be what we deal with with these guys. Yeah. I call those guys fantasy obstructors where they're not good enough to necessarily start, but they get in the way of players you may want to start. But I got to be fair. And you said it. Claypool was terrific today. This was rookie year. Claypool caught all of his targets and there was a high level of high degree of difficulty on some yes. of those catches. He looked great and I got to give it up for him because I thought he, I, I ranked him probably, I don't know, 45, 50, 55. I didn't feel the Claypool question. If I did, I'm no. sure I told you to start the other guy. And and I, maybe I was just hoping that we were ready for liftoff with Pickens. Now it's kind of hard to know where Pickens is at because he was showing a good report with Pickett. Then Pickett gets hurt and then they're ahead in the game. And then it becomes all like, well, just don't let Mitch Trubisky lose the game. But in between all that, this is the Chase Claypool we haven't seen since his rookie season. And maybe if he's redeemable, maybe then Pickens isn't startable, or maybe we have to take Deontay Johnson down a slot, a tier. And this was a, a day where they didn't have Fryermuth either. And yeah. really, Harris did just about nothing except for that touchdown catch. He only runs for 42 yards. At least the touches were there, and they didn't use a lot of Warren after a week where Warren did play a lot. So you can at least say to yourself with, with Harris, okay, every week I'm getting 15 touches probably. Uh, that's the floor. He could get 20 in the right situation. He was used to the goal line for just a cheap walk-in touchdown. Give it up to Mike Tomlin, man. I, their defense looked great. This crowd was into it um, for a team that I don't think anybody thinks is going nowhere. It's probably the first time that Tomlin's going to have a sub-500 record, but they showed up, and they, there was nothing at all fluky about this upset win. But unfortunately, Claypool apparently is a mouth to feed this offense again, which just means and this offense doesn't, you know, they're they're splitting up like a, a really small pie. This right. isn't a Thanksgiving pie that's going gonna, gonna to feed eight to ten. This is like a gas station pie that like hardly feeds you, and and you, you take two bites of it and you want to throw it away. This offense <laughs> does not have a lot of value to divvy up, and so getting another mouth to feed with Claypool will actually be more problematic than anything else. Uh, I'm not sure what I want to do less: watch Matt Canada's uh, offensive design or eat a pie from a gas station. So uh, while <laughs> while I figure out the answer to that question, Scott and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the rest of the Week Six games. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott, Vikings 24, Dolphins 16. I, what the hell is going on with the Dolphins, man? 
Like last week, Teddy Bridgewater knocked out of the game before I even get home from the studio uh, tape in FFL. Skylar Thompson. I, ha- I thought about our boy Andy Barons, who admitted out loud. Nobody asked him to admit it, but he admitted out loud on multiple Yahoo programs with us, Scott, that um, he was starting Skylar Thompson in a fantasy matchup. You know, Skylar Thompson gets knocked out like as I'm walking through the front door today. I mean, it's and then Teddy Bridgewater gets in because he was like the backup. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but they lose this game um, from a fantasy angle, though. Like our guys mostly got home, you know, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle being those guys. Mike Gusecki pops up for a couple touchdowns, gets to do his really bad gritty dance uh, that everybody goes on and on about. But uh, yeah, the Dolphins, it just feels like they're totally and completely like out of rhythm. It does sound like Tua will be back next week, which I think should hopefully get their season back on track. Right. Although anybody who played Hill or Waddle, I mean, you get, what, 25 targets between them. Yeah. They both went over 100 yards, although Hill was dehydrated, as he often is, had to miss some snaps in this game. Those guys talk about inelastic value, right? They've done it with all three quarterbacks. And the reason why Andy was playing Skylar Thompson in one league is because I outbid him for P.J. Walker. That was real skillful play there. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm gonna, can't wait to count the three points that P.J. Walker scored for me, although he did get hurt in that game. So it's cut him a little bit of a break. But I just yeah. feel like Hill and Waddle right now, I don't think it matters who the Miami quarterback is. They, they could roll out David Woodley or Don Strock or, you know, Dante Culpepper, you know, whoever you want to throw out there. Those guys are balling. And, you, you know, may, maybe it's going to be a false window, but it was just nice to see Gasecki get involved because it wasn't that long ago that I thought Gasecki was a top 10 fantasy tight end and it seemed like this new offense. Okay, he's not really a blocker. He's more like just a big jumbo slot guy. I wasn't sure they'd have something for Mike Gasecki to do. To his credit, he's handled it really classy. He hasn't popped off. He said, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I got to learn a new position, the skills I have to improve. But it was just cool to see him actually do something in this game. I think the team that's getting a pass, because Miami, you know, the quarterback changes and all that. This obscures the fact that Minnesota did just about nothing on offense. I mean, Jefferson just yeah. talented his way to 100 yards. Dalvin Cook broke up, broke off one long run, scored a touchdown, saved your day. Otherwise, he did nothing. Irv Smith did the, did the Kelsey catch a short touchdown, but do nothing else. Four for seven and one, the most Irv Smith line ever. Thielen got <laughs> so it so true. Actually, the most the most Thielen line ever too. Four for 36 and a touchdown too. And while Kirk Cousins is not playing poorly enough to be torp- torpedoing your season, I mentioned him with that quarterback, that uh, middle tier, that dead zone of quarterbacks. You're getting a lot of 175 and two from Kirk. He's not winning anything either. The guy who's first place in your league doesn't have Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, 100%, right? Like, hmm, I, I, it's hard to know where to go with this Vikings offense because it's just they have such talented players. You know, all of these guys are still really good. You know, sometimes Scott, like I watch his team, I'm like, yeah, this is great. It's still a team quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is like perfectly, you know, I think he is the perfect, um, you know, Chris Wessling's old thing about Andy Dalton, you know, late great Chris Wessling, um, you know, about the prime rating NFL quarterbacks. Like if you had a quarterback better than Andy Dalton, you had a franchise quarterback. If you had a quarterback worse than Andy Dalton, you didn't have a franchise quarterback. You had a pro- quarterback problem. I feel like Kirk Cousins is is that new guy. I think they did the show in the offseason trying to to do a new um uh, the new you know Dalton scale or whatever the ATN guys did. I I didn't I didn't catch the episode. My bad. But like I feel like dude. Kirk Cousins got to be that guy, man. And, and there's sometimes when this offense looks really good, it's humming. Like, but other times it's a unit quarterback by Kirk Cousins, and I kind of feel like we just need to to live with that. Yeah, I love the idea of that line and delineation in fantasy baseball for years. Matt Barry used to call it the Wandy line. If you were better or worse than Wandy Rodriguez, you were worthy of a streaming spot. 
for starting pitcher. And man, do I miss Chris Wesseling, just a, a yeah. curator of fine things and, and just a, a thinker and a, and a poet and a writer and, and just a positive spirit, uh, man, we need more people like him. And I, I'd like to think he's looking down on us and, and, and still adding to our life. Go, go back and read love you blue. What he wrote about the Houston Oilers or what he wrote about the Cincinnati Bengals offense in the seventies, uh, the early Bill Walsh offense. It just, uh, a, a terrible loss. I'm, I'm still feeling this thing. And I, I didn't know him as well as you did, but I just, what a great dude he was. And I agree. Kirk Cousins could be that guy. He may be the line of delineation in 2022. Giants 24 Ravens 20 <laughs> Lord podcast right on the, on the outline. He's, I know he's, uh, he's really looking for an answer for this. How the hell is this Giants team five and one? Um, I think they're really well coached. I think it was sort of under underrated this offseason that, you know, they got Brian Dayball, who was a big ticket item. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted to hire Brian Dayball. So th- that was a good signing, a good, you know, good head coaching get. He goes right out and plucks Mike Kafka from Andy Reid's coaching tree to be his offensive coordinator and call the plays. I think this offense has been really well executed, really well designed for, you know, a team playing with a bunch of goofball receivers. And then on defense too, and this was the this was the thing today. You know, the Ravens decided they were going to move on from Don Wink Martindale, you know, their longtime defensive coordinator, a guy who plays really aggressively. Like, you know, Scott, it this is um I'm gonna be the be the old man here again. You know, these new modern defenses where everybody's playing this cover two nonsense. No everybody's sort of like, all right, you could take the little completions, you're just not gonna beat us deep. Martindale's one of the only guys that's like Oh, screw you. I'm coming. I'm going to put the quarterback on his ass. I'm going to play man coverage. I'm going to blitz him, all this stuff. Like, and he's been great for this defense so far and obviously gets the win here on his um, on his former team. I know none of that has to do with fantasy, but, you know, we want to bet on good ecosystems on in fantasy football. And this Giants team is a good ecosystem. It just has like a very strange collection of players right now. Yeah, I mean, they were smart enough to realize they could win this game by being conservative, by not asking Daniel Jones to do a lot. Really no right answers. I mean, yeah, if you're stuck at tight end, you could play Bellinger. You could probably do worse. And Wondell Robinson did play and got a touchdown this game. As I was afraid of, Darius Slayton went back into obscurity. I still think he can play. They don't seem to want him. In fact, you know who could use Darius Slayton? I, you're going to laugh at me. I think the Ravens could use him. Right now, no, yeah, they, have, they have Lamar Jackson, who's great. They have Mark Andrews, who's a god. Uh, they got something out of Kenyon Drake today, which nobody saw coming. Dobbins didn't play well. I think he got dinged up in this game. They really need Rashad Bateman back. And even when they get Bateman, they still need to add another receiver. I've, I've been trying to to warm up to Devin DuVernay, who played better in the first quarter than anybody expected. But he's still, he's just a support guy. He's not yeah. somebody who could be the second or third best receiver on a team that prides himself as, as maybe a Super Bowl contender. I always play that parlor game. You know, who should trade for Corey Davis? The Ravens should trade for Corey Davis. You know, they desperately need, they don't have, their menu is so, it, it's like it's like you, you, you pick up a menu at the restaurant and it's just the front and back and you try to open it. You're like, wait, wait a minute. This is all you serve is the two items on, <laughs> on the front and back of this menu and the front is just the, the logo of it. You know, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like where are the rest of the, where are the rest of the menu items, Baltimore? This is all you have? Well, this that's the thing. Perfect analogy, Scott, because if a restaurant's going to serve like two items, they better be damn good and they better be good every single yeah, the, time you the you french better, laundry right yeah right you better yeah you better not miss and, and with this ravens offense if they if they don't get a godlike performance out of lamar jackson the offense is not good i mean they get the game out of out of mark andrews here out of Andrews. he he has it but like they do two things well 
Lamar goes into God mode and, um, you know, Mark Andrews, Mandrews does his thing when they don't have Rashad Bateman. But when one of those things falls off, guess what? That, that they're not a very good offense. And that's sort of I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson was perfect as an individual in this game, but you're so right to point out like Tylen Wallace, Demarcus Robinson. Come on, give me a break. Like they, they like Rashad Bateman, I think, is a buy purely because like they need him so, so bad. And oh, I think so that badly. so badly. And I, I think people were complaining about his early season start a little too much like he had a pretty typical wide receiver um outing so i agree with you it would be nice if they would trade for a guy like slayton who still ran a route on 75 percent of the dropbacks in this one like you know wandale robinson is um he was only at about i think 34 percent so that will grow as he gets healthier but yeah slayton's not a guy they want to use a ton um so he could be on the trade block but let's talk about jk dobbins here for a second man because Kenyon drake <laughs> Yeah, Kenny Drake goes. There we go. We yards. have to talk about this. We do you have the stomach? Do you have the stomach to fab Kenyon Drake? I mean, you might. Because uh, here's the thing. The frustrating part, I think, with J.K. Dobbins is we know that this was like an, an a complicated, unusual um recovery, right? From his injury. It wasn't just a traditional clean ACL, you know, whatever. You know, then I get this tweet from Field Yates after the game. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said that uh, J.K. Dobbins was limited to just seven carries today because, quote, his knee tightened up. I think that something like this happened last week, right? Because Kenyon Drake was a uh, was a game day scratch when J.K. Dobbins had his, his first big game. Then against the Bengals, I'm like, man, we're seeing a lot of like Kenyon Drake in this game. Like, what happened to J.K. Dobbins, despite the fact that he had a couple of good runs? And then this game, like, it actually happened, right? And if you have J.K. Dobbins on your fantasy, and I told a few people that you could play J.K. Dobbins in a somewhat decent matchup today, you got to be worried that this is going to happen literally any single game, and you have no idea when it's going to happen. I'd be be afraid. I realize running back does not have a lot of right answers, but I I don't have any confidence that Dobbins is, is going to be able to w- withstand what they need him to do. But again, unfortunately, there's no answer. I mean, Drake had a great game today. I don't think anybody thinks that's repeatable. And your own level of desperation at running back will determine what you do. And then we'll just trot out, you know, love the Drake, hate the Drake. We'll get to say that. If we'll get another two or three weeks of mileage out of that. Who knows? Maybe Dalton Del Don will have will have Kenyon Drake ranked number seven on his running back board next week. I don't I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, thought Ken, I, th- I thought Kenyon Drake was out of our lives, and I guess he isn't. Kenyon Drake is about um, five years too old to be like a Dalton Del Don guy. He might be like seven years too old to be a Dalton. Del I want guy. I want to, tomorrow's free agent podcast with Andy. I want I want forty five minutes on Drake, and you can do five minutes on everybody else. Oh boy, <laughs> just unsubscribe from the show right now before you have to get that one in your life. All right, let's move on here. Jets twenty seven, Packers ten. What do you got on this game, Scott? Aaron Rodgers, man, I, he came back. This is what I came back for. You know, I, I got my hair done up yeah. for this. <laughs> to be fair, he, he was on the injury report with a thumb. Uh, his hand didn't – a couple times he was shaking his hand. It's possible Rodgers is playing through an injury. But I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You don't lose a Devontae Adams and replace him. There, there aren't – they don't. there's not a tree where you pluck the next one. And this offense is so – you know, Lazard's not a bad player, and Dobbs has had moments. Their running backs ostensibly can catch the ball, although Jones had a bad drop today, and Jones really didn't play well at all. Jones and Dylan have been, I think, significant disappointments – but I can see that I mean, the Packers just lost to the Giants, who are a nice, plucky, upbeat story. And the Jets, who are kind of like the poor man's Giants, they're a nice, plucky, upbeat story. It's not like they're losing to the Bills here and the Chiefs and you know the juggernauts of the NFL. They're losing to teams who yeah. are just hoping to be competitive. You know, the, the Giants are thrilled to have adults in the room this year. The Jets are thrilled to be relevant now. And 
the, the Packers offense is like unwatchable. And even when Rodgers plays quote unquote well these days, he has the same line. 247 and 2, 251 and 2, 253 and 2. He never throws for 300 yards. He never has like a four touchdown game. We know he doesn't run the ball anymore. So you're hoping when he has his quote unquote good game, you get like a quarterback 11 out of it or a quarterback 13 or quarterback nine. There's no upside here. There's nobody to drag him. I realize, and this goes for Brady too, that if you've ever done the early shovel, early berry thing with Brady and Rodgers, they have come back to stick it in your face so many times. Rodgers is the two-time reigning MVP, but so much was that was tied to an all-world receiver. And no matter what these players turn into, and again, I, you can say something nice about Lazard and Dobbs. Tunyon had some moments today. That That's great. They're all good players. There's no great player in this offense, and Aaron Rodgers needs great players to drag him. It needs to be part of what this offense is. I think they're in trouble, man. I think they will make the playoffs because the NFC is very weak. I don't think they have any chance, really, of being a Super Bowl contender. And their defense isn't as good as I thought it would be either. Yeah, and I, I think their one special guy, you know, is Aaron Jones. And there's been no, like, receiving bump for Aaron Jones in the mm-hmm. post of Ante Adams. Like, it's 9% I of targets. Day. I, oh, buddy, we were both there, right? Like, on the Aaron Jones train. Like, my Aaron Jones teams don't look so great either, Um, especially, like, when I went aggressive for him, you know? So I thought he was the perfect second-round pick. Uh, this oh, just we said it, yeah. Not a perfect second-round pick. Uh, no, not when Saquon Barkley's sitting there staring at your face. Oh, so God, I, I'm sure. afraid to look back and see if I actually took him I over know. Barkley, which, which I, I may have done. Know. I de- hey Scott, I definitely did, and I don't want to be reminded. Oh, by of the way, okay? we didn't even mention Barkley uh, being heady enough to slide at the the one or the two yard line to uh, to put the game ahead. Look, yeah, you got you still get a good fantasy game out of him, and you're he's on an offense where all they're going to do is Barkley left, Barkley right, Barkley up the middle. I don't feel bad if that's the worst thing you can say about your fantasy team right now. Is I needed another Saquon Barkley touchdown? Yeah, like, hey, shut up, ha- hush, <laughs> hush up. There's, there's people out here in the streets who don't have any running backs and you're yeah. complaining, you know, I'm crying. I don't have any shoes for my feet. And you're telling me that your shoes don't have the shoelaces you want. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to hear it. I know we skipped. I skipped over it. Cause I, I don't want to, I'm with you. I know it's upsetting for people. Like you see the fantasy points. It could have been right there. Shut up. If your biggest problem is Saquon Barkley didn't get his second touchdown of the day after you've had Saquon Barkley on your team all year long. I don't want to hear it. All right, not a us Aaron Jones bros got bigger problems. Okay, I wish he, I wish he would slide in a victory. Here's here's a problem. Okay, the Jets, Brees Hall's a monster. This defense, which was like middle of the pack in DVOA before yes. this week, and they'll go up after a really good game against the pack. Maybe Hall, and maybe the the Jets defense, which could be competent, could be solid. It looked really frisky today. Maybe it's going to torpedo the rest of this offense because they obvi- they do it not is. want Zach Wilson to lose the game. They're basically doing the Justin Fields, you know, okay, look, you're our quarterback, but don't give the game away. We can keep it close with Hall. We can keep it close with the defense. So all of a sudden, all, all the, you know, let's go, wheels up, Garrett Wilson, you know, feelings, those are all gone. Davis is is good enough to play in real life. He'll never get enough target share. Elijah Moore is basically on a milk carton right now. The Tyler Conklin moment came and went. Hall's the only player startable on a team that's winning games right now because they they play with an unplugged quarterback, and they probably are doing the right thing. They're 100 doing the right thing. Um, you know, I said that like the Jets have a fantasy problem, and it couldn't be better for their real life uh, prognostications because, you know, like you said, Brees Hall, baller, dude, he looks awesome uh, every single week. Rips off some sort of highlight play, and and you know he's a. He's a clear-cut, you know, running back one rest of season for sure. Um, and the great point out their defense, they're uh top they're top eight defense in EPA per play since week four. 
Like they have truly turned it around looking like early on, oh man, it was going to be another bad season for Robert Sala's defense. But that basically leaves the receivers and Brees Hall does a lot of damage as a receiver too, which complicates the, the receiver problem here. It leaves those guys to pluck at scraps and Scott, they're too good. Like there's too many good guys plucking at the scraps. Like talk about a gas station pie. Like that's basically what the Jets passing offense is from. I don't even want to know if I want to call it that. It's like they don't even, they're not even plucking at a pie simply because of the size of it. They're like trying to all split like what a cupcake or something like that. And there's too many good players. there. like, I would love to see Corey Davis traded. The Jets have no no incentive to trade him because he's a pretty good receiver. Elijah Moore's good. Garrett Wilson's good. Tyler Con- all these guys, like even Braxton Berrios goes and scores a touchdown today because he can kind of play a little bit. So I think all of these guys, all Jets players who are not Brees Hall or Michael Carter can, I mean, if you want to stick them on the end of your bench, that's fine. If you want to, you know, drop them, I think that's fine too because I just don't see like how the Jets suddenly, unless Wilson, the light, pops on i have no idea how this all gets better yeah the defense is going to allow them to play this way and, and when i say they're doing the right thing it it begs the question or it's just the question i should say that is the right thing to try to be competitive now or is the right thing to try to develop zach wilson if somebody somebody wanted to jump up and down and say no 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 this is the wrong thing you'll never learn about zach wilson you'll never give him a chance to make mistakes and get better who cares if you go seven and ten or eight and nine or nine and eight? The goal is to be great someday. The goal is to figure out if Wilson can be a difference maker quarterback. If you want to frame the argument that way, I'll listen to you. But the bottom line is, no, they're not a gas station pie. They're like a piece of candy and that, that little piece of candy in the dish. Okay. You, you're trying to feed a bunch of trick-or-treaters and you have one piece of candy. It doesn't split five ways. You yeah. you can drop these receivers. I, I don't want to. I, I hate doing it. I love Elijah Moore. I love Garrett Wilson. And, and you know, I always talk about Garrett, Corey Davis would be great on another team. He's not really needed here. These guys are unplayable because the Jets every week are going to try to throw 20 passes or fewer. And they have a defense that will allow them to do that. Yeah. And if you're playing in Dynasty, trade for these guys because they're all good. Like, don't be the ones that trade. Like, I've gotten a lot of people like, how can I get Elijah Moore off my team? It's like, well, you don't. You want to stick him at the end of your bench and we'll see what happens. Um, I think, you know, the example is the Bills, Scott. Like, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, you can be a competitive outfit and try to win some games while also developing your quarterback who's not very good right now. Like, we don't need to do revisionist history with Josh Allen. He wasn't very good to start his career. Then they built that thing up around him and he got better along with it. Like, that can happen with Zach Wilson. We'll see if it does happen. Um, next game up here, Patriots 38, Browns 15. Man, Scott, the Patriots beat the brakes off the Browns in this one. Man, I, I, I don't even know if I can do this with a straight face, but this team reminds me of the 2001 Patriots. And I, I know people Ooh, must have buddy. been saying this. <laughs> uh, you have a quarterback out of nowhere. You have a, a pretty anonymous roster that doesn't have obvious superstars. You have a strong defense. And Belichick, as look, it's we we had the Belichick Brady era, and it was it was impossible to separate how much was the quarterback, the great quarterback, how much was the great coach. Brady taking team friendly deals and all this stuff, and then Brady goes to Tampa Bay, wins the breakup, wins the championship. Not that anybody thought Belichick was a bum all of a sudden, but it seemed like if you had to, and I don't know why these things ever have to be binary because they're both great. But if you had to pick one, it seemed like Brady was going to win the breakup. Belichick loves, just like Bob Knight loved, like when he, he'd rather win with a bunch of good but not great players oh, than yeah. maybe win with superstars and not get the credit. Belichick will never admit this, but he loves his team. He loves the shape of this team. I think I think Zappy can play. I don't know what Zappy's upside is. I know this: the Patriots feel good about their quarterback room right now, and most teams in the NFL don't. And went into Cleveland. Cleveland's got a lot of injuries on defense. The defense hasn't been what we expected, but Zappy looked good. 
Stevenson did what we expected to do. Um, they made Jacoby Brissett look what he is, which is just a temporary starter. And I think the Patriots are going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, but I think this is one of those because they they can't go to the Super Bowl because they can't string together three or four straight wins over strong competition. I think the Patriots could beat anybody, and I think Belichick really likes his team. I yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And like we've lauded Jacoby Myers in this on this podcast a lot. You know, four for sixty, you're going to take that if it's like Jacoby Myers, you're starting him at flex. Like he's a good player. Devontae Parker has a pretty decent game. Like rookie receiver Tyquan Thornton has given them some pop too since he got in there. And you know, Nelson Aguilar misses this game, um, so that might be you know part of the reason, but. They've been dying to hit on a receiver pick, Scott. And I don't know that Tyquan Thornton is going to be like the next A.J. Brown or something like that. I don't know if he's like he's a very, very skinny player, but he's got some speed for an offense that needs it. And they're a really interesting team overall. Um, on the Cle- Everybody laughed about their free agency last year. Well, both their tight ends look pretty good today. I mean, you know. Maybe Belichick was ahead of the curve on that after all. Maybe I'm sure he overpaid them, but you have to overpay. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville overpaid Christian Kirk. Still a good player. This is a schematically, even though they lack a, a true superstar in offense, although Stevenson's a heck of a good player. And we, we like Myers. He, he's smart. He, he he does really well in your metrics. But the Patriots threaten the strata of the field in a lot of different ways with a lot of different guys. They're actually more difficult to scheme for, I think, than, than most people realize. Now, the question would be, how good is Mac Jones? Is he more yeah. of just an – or is he an Andy Dalton type? And I, I'm also curious, do you have any sense of – because, look, I, I've fallen in love with – ostensibly backup quarterbacks before I fell in love with Gardner Minshew. I was talking earlier this season of oh, wouldn't it be fun to see Gardner Minshew run the Eagles. No, you know what? It's actually fun to watch Jalen Hurts run the Eagles. I'm going to, I still like Minshew, but I'm going to walk away from that take. Uh, give me, I'm a Patriots fan. Give me some cold, hard truth about where you see it. It's only a couple of games into Zappi's career, but what have your observations of him been? Yeah, I think he's looked good. And, you know, in his first game, the, the when he got thrown out there against the Packers, I definitely think there are moments when he looked like overwhelmed. Right um, now, these are two bad defenses he's played since then. The Lions are a bad defense. The Browns Awful. are a are a bad defense, despite the, the names they got over there and some of the money they've handed out to guys on defense. That that unit is a problem. That's one thing I definitely came away from this this game thinking like we're attacking the Browns defense. We don't care with who going forward. Um, but I do think that Zappy's look confident. He's gotten the ball out to guys and. this is the best thing that can happen to you as a team. Like obviously things went sideways with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Like, I mean, urban Meyer, remember when urban Meyer gave him every single first team rep in training camp for a long stretch of time, things got a little weird with Gardner Minshew there, but this is the perfect thing that can have happen to you. Like if you have a Bailey Zappi as your backup quarterback, as opposed to like, you know, dusty 50 year old Brian Hoyer, who should be the quarterback coach, not the backup quarterback. Like that's the best thing that you can have as a team. Like, I think he's looked pretty good getting this, you know, getting the ball moving. And um, I think he's offered him a little bit of something from like a mobility standpoint that I wonder if Mac has in his back pocket. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. So that'll be a big thing to watch when Mac Jones gets back out there. Um, How much does this offense change? Cause we're kind of liking where it is at this point. Indeed uh, on the Brown side of it. Like, I don't know that there's much to talk about. Like they're kind of circling uh, the drain a little bit, um, you know, with that, but th- we know they'll get Deshaun Watson back like at some point and we'll see what, how that goes. Like, I think the Browns are just that we know what to do with this team. So we don't have to talk at uh, least percent targeted the guys we want. Right. I mean, it yeah, wasn't a good Cooper game, for. but he got 12 targets and Joku was targeted heavily. 
if you had to play Peoples Jones as a desperation, you know, he came through with a playable line. He certainly didn't win anything for you, but you got kind of what you were hoping for out of him. At least Brissett goes throws the ball to the people we care about for fantasy, and he's been just slightly below league average, which is about all that what they could have expected. They're not going to go far in games when Chubb only gets 12 carries, but that was a lot of the game situation and the game flow. Falcons 28, 49ers 14. I don't know how, Scott, but the injury bug doesn't just bite the 49ers every year. It, like, takes them out back and kicks their ass every single year. I mean, they already didn't have Nick Bosa coming into this game. They're missing several other defensive players. They lose Ward, their top cornerback. Um, Mike McGlinchey, they lose in the middle of this game. You know, even Brandon Ayuk left with a cramp at some point despite having a monster game. Hey, I was feeling pretty good to, when Michael Pittman and Brandon Ayuk were, like, the top fantasy scorers there for a little bit at the wide receiver position. So I liked that. But, man, the 49ers just... It's just every single year with the injuries with this team. Yeah. Uh, it, it was almost like a college team where like a bunch of the defensive players went to a party and they got suspended. But usually college, <laughs> yeah. college teams are usually spineless. They usually have the suspensions when they're playing somebody that they're you know, 27 point favorites over. Oh, we're going to bench six guys for, you know, for this team that we're going to for South Carolina A&T, you know, and then Springfield A&M and then we'll, we'll wax them anyway. But um, I, I feel dumb that. I thought the Niners would win this game. And very early on, it was clear that the Falcons were alive. Atlanta's the only team that's covered all season, by the way. I was wondering a week ago if Jeff Wilson had played well enough to maybe earn a decent backfield Mitchell, share yeah. when they get back Elijah Mitchell. Not only did Wilson not go anywhere today, he didn't get a lot of carries, but he had a critical fumble. And every coach hates fumbling, but you know, Shanahan's very high up on that list. I, I feel like Wilson's chances to keep a decent share here go down because of that fumble. On the flip side, you know, it's weird. The Falcons win and they beat, I, I know they beat a shorthanded Niners team, but whatever. You beat the Niners. They're one of the better teams in football. You feel good about that. And yet they throw 14 passes. And yeah. yet, even on a day where <laughs> Kyle, Pitt, Kyle Pitts breaks his, you know, breaks his maiden, he scores a, a touchdown in America for the first time. He still yeah. only has three for 19 on three targets. It's all touchdown deodorant. He's probably going to end the week as like tight end 14 or something like that. We didn't even misrank him. Zacchaeus is more productive than Drake London. I, I know that um, Mo Castillo, who does the, the Sunday pickups, the look ahead, he talked about Mariota, and I totally get that. But I'm afraid any week you start Mariota, I even benched Mariota for some fairly sketchy quarterbacks this week. It's going to be the wrong play this week. But I feel like Mariota could throw 12 passes in any game. He threw 14 today. Even when they fall behind, they're going to run the setup, the run. They're just, they're such a backwards offense. And I, I don't know. I don't trust the Falcons, man. I know they won today and they beat a good team, albeit a shorthanded good team. But I don't trust London and I don't trust Pitts and I don't trust yeah. Mariota. And ultimately I still don't trust Arthur Smith. And all this game is going to do is convince Arthur Smith that he's doing the right thing. Hey, we won. And I gave Kyle Pitts three targets. You happy? I mean, the thing is they just ran the piss out of the ball, which they'll, which Arthur Smith, we know he wants to do. Um, Drake London had 46.8% of the team air yards and put up three for 40. That's crazy that that's the type of offense this team is and Kyle Pitts by the way currently is the tight end 11 so you might be right about that prediction L here. London's, London's basically this year's Pitts where you see the talent you're like I know this guy is good I know he's good why does Atlanta think he's good I I don't know I I like Arthur Smith's offense I know that's like a sin for a fantasy analyst to say um I just think they just don't have a good quarterback situation that could be that. it and that, yeah, I maybe maybe you just have to play it's it's um the almost famous quote. It's a think piece about a middle mid-level quarterback who's struggling with his own limitations and the harsh face of stardom. Yeah. And, and on the 49ers side, like 
Lester Bangs, by the way, would hate Arthur Smith. I just want to point that out. He'd have the Atlanta sucks t-shirt. <laughs> by the way, love the helmets, right? Weren't those helmets? Oh, they look so I, I, good. If I had seen, if I could have changed my pick the moment I realized they're wearing those red helmets, I would have. Oh man, they look great in those. They they really botched their whole uniform rebranding. Those throwback uniforms look awesome. Um, on the 49ers side, I know I'm complaining about the injuries, but if this defense starts to decline, which is a shame because it was such a joy to watch that defense, which is awesome. No, but was. like best in the league. If it starts to decline, like I do think that's good news for guys like Ayuk, for Kittle, for Debo, who, you know, combined had 33 targets today. That's not the way San Francisco wants to play. That is the way we want them to play from a fantasy standpoint. Like I still think all three of these guys are probably every week starters. Um, you know, even Ayuk who gets two touchdowns and I know a lot of people was on a lot of people's benches, but this was kind of the matchup to do it. So Ayuk's just such a good player. Like we'll see what happens with the 49ers. I don't want to sit here and do a bunch of 49ers talk. Dalton and I will talk 50 minutes after the 45 minute um, waiver show. Uh, <laughs> after 45 minute uh, waiver show with Andy, we'll do the 50, 55 minute uh, 49ers today with Dalton later on in the week. Um, Rams 24, Panthers 10, last game here. Um, I mean, Scott, interesting, uh, interesting game. You know, the the Rams managed to get the win here. Robbie Anderson manages to get himself thrown out of this game. I was complaining a lot this week, Scott, about like the vultures. I know Josh Norris called them vultures, like in a in a tweet responding to me, like trying to circle the Panthers roster and just pick at all their good players. One of the guys that people were talking about is like, oh man. This team should trade for Robbie Robbie Anderson. Dude, they're going to have to cut Robbie Anderson. He got his ass thrown out of this game for arguing and fighting with coaches. By the way, Robbie Anderson has been terrible for like a year and a half now. He's had like maybe one, two-ish good seasons, and his contract is terrible. So I don't know the teams are just going to be lining up to trade for Robbie Anderson at this point. Do you think, is there any chance of McCaffrey or Moore getting traded? I think there's a zero chance DJ Moore gets like 0% chance. They just extended his contract. They like him. They want to build around him. It just makes no sense. Like they're probably drafting a quarterback first or second. They might end up first overall in this year's draft. Like they're going to want DJ Moore to be there for that. McCaffrey, I think the reports are they'd have to be like blown away by an offer. And, you know, that means like multiple first round picks, which if that's the case, nobody's trading multiple first round picks for Christian McCaffrey. I'd say there's probably like a 10% chance he could get traded, but I don't think, I think both are on this roster. It's so weird to see a fantasy team have just one relevant player, which is what the Panthers have. Did Allen Robinson and Daryl Henderson get into the circle of trust today? (sighs) Uh, well, let's start with the running backs because we know Cam Akers is done in L.A. Like they I want I'm very curious if we ever find out what went down there, because apparently like he's they they're looking to trade him. And even if they don't trade him, the, the talk is that per Jay Glazer there that he's never going to play there. Again. It was so pack really stuff, want... pack stuff. Get out. Yeah. It sounded like. Yeah. yeah. So um, like, but he's another guy that like who's lining up to trade for Cam Akers? Are they just going to cut Cam Akers? He's going to you know? get cut. He's going to yeah. get cut or tra- or trade it for a seventh round pick or something. You know, totally negligible. Yeah. So it's, again, same with Robbie Anderson. Although Robbie Anderson, unlike Cam Akers, has a load of money coming his way. Yeah, I think Daryl Henderson back in the in the in the circle of trust. He's just like talk about buoyancy, Scott. This offense is not going to have that much buoyancy. Um, so I think he's sort of. I think he's sort of in like the low end two ish range, but probably a guy that if you have better options than Daryl Henderson, great, but I could see you not having better options than Daryl Henderson. Right. And keep in mind the Rams don't play this next week. And then right. they get the 49ers after that. I, I'd be curious to see what version of the 49ers they get. Of course, Kyle Shanahan famously 
has kind of had McVay's number. McVay did beat yeah. him in the playoffs, but Shanahan has owned him in the regular season. So that, that's going to be a fascinating game to watch in two weeks. Henderson's one of those guys. I, I like Daryl Henderson. I don't think they have any delusions that he's Marshall Falk or Todd Gurley at his peak or anything like that. But I do think he can be at least the lead back on a playoff team. Yeah. And hopefully he'll have a, a better offensive line um, to, to run behind when they get healthier, I would think, in two weeks. I mean, I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, they the, desperately need that buy. Yeah, they, they, they get at the right time. They they, be, they get the Panthers at the right time, and they get the bye at the right time. What is – I defer to you on all things Allen Robinson. What's the state of the Allen Robinson address? <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the deal, man. I think he played a really good game. You know <sighs> – I don't think Allen Robinson is washed. I continue. I like I've said, I'll, I will go down with the ship on Allen Robinson. I think he still looks good as a route runner in tight spaces. He's not a vertical threat, but at least they like threw it up to him in situations in this game. Like I, I think he can separate short and underneath and, and even in some intermediate routes, but like, what they almost never did with him at any point this year was like, okay, just just go, let go up and win the pass. And like, I almost kind of wondered because he looks at like he's got a little bit of a hitch when he's running right now. Like, I wondered, man, are, are they concerned like he can't even jump up for for balls anymore? But he clearly can because they throw throw him all these damn fade routes all the time. So, um, I think that the offensive line issues and the overall problems with the offense were bigger problems for Allen Robinson than Allen Robinson himself. Like if he's not on a waiver wire in your league, you probably don't have to do it this league this week because they have a bye week but you know, I bet you could add him for free maybe going into next week, something like that. Maybe let waivers run this week and then add him as a free agent afterwards. Like, I don't think Allen Robinson is cooked. I think once they get Van Jefferson back, that will help things. They desperately need to fix the offensive line. Don't know how they're going to do, do that. Joe Noteboom got, got carted off in this game. We'll, we'll have to keep uh, their starting left tackle. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But, yeah, I think that Robinson... Like he can don't get, miss me with like the next gen stats separation numbers and all this stuff. Like he can still play, and like they're gonna throw to him in tight spaces. They're gonna throw to him um, in the red zone, in the end zone. We know that, and to see him get involved in ways where they were moving him around pre snap. Like there was a series when Ben right before Ben Skoranek, uh ran the touchdown in where Cooper Cup caught a big pass. Then Allen Robinson was moved around pre-snap and caught a, you know, 22 gain on an over-the-middle route, not like the little sideline stuff they'd been doing with him. And then on the next play, they hand the ball, they do a, like a, a reverse or end around whatever to Ben Skoranek. Allen Robinson throws a block on two guys. Like, that's what they wanted. Honestly, he looked like fired up and engaged too, probably because they got him involved early. So I know that was a lot, Scott, probably more than you asked for, but... um I don't think Allen Robinson is done. I've maintained that throughout the year. I think they've just been trying to figure some things out, and maybe they figure them out coming out of the bye. I don't know. Yeah, there is a proactivity to the Robinson use today, which gets a player in the flow of the game and gets them, you know, gets this. Everybody wants to feel good about themselves. You know, you get that first catch out of the way. Some of the throws, as you mentioned, were trust throws where there maybe isn't separation, but you're going to give Robinson a chance to make a play. So that's very encouraging. I did a piece last week and I did talk about it in this spot here. I don't know if I included this one key element though. Bye weeks, just, you know, it's a great moment to trade and all that. You get to take stock of your team. One other really important thing about bye weeks is that your opponents and, and you as well are going to drop players you don't want to because you have to, because you have pressing needs that need, you, know, you have a game you have to win now. And so what's going to happen is good players are going to get cut because the team is desperate. Yep. So is it's always important to try to audit and monitor the drops and all that. But more than ever, 
And, and who knows? Maybe it's as little as like a guy like Justin Tucker might get cut in the league because somebody doesn't have the luxury of holding him over. He, by the way, Justin Tucker missed a kick today, which is like just totally upsets my <laughs> my view of the whole world because I don't want yeah, Justin right. Tucker to, to ever fail at anything, even if it's a really long kick to hit an upright. I mean, he's, he's the best kicker I've ever seen. But just make sure you're auditing the drops because especially some of these bye weeks have six teams that don't play. So you're not going to believe how good the talent is. And it's like, oh, why did – it's nothing's more frustrating than, oh, it's usually Barron's too. How did Barron's pick up this great player? When, when was he cut? Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't audit the drops in that league. And Andy, who you know ran five miles at five thirty a.m., was on the waiver wire at six thirty a.m. when I might have been asleep and missed out on this play. So make sure you're auditing those drops, especially during bye weeks. And if you're one of the lucky ones, okay, you can look ahead. Like I had one team where I didn't have anything really pressing. I picked up Darius, Darius Slayton in the league, but I didn't need to use him. I'm like, oh, I don't think Darius Slayton's really all that valuable. So I said, you know what? What am I doing on defense next week? I have a defense that's going on by. Is there a defense right now that would make sense that would save me the the problem of having to spend fab for it? So you, know, you can do look-aheads that way too. Just again, you get – the buy season, and I know to a lot of people it's frustrating. To me, it's more interesting because we have more choices and we have unusual choices that we won't get in September. But just make sure you're doing a lot of auditing with who's not playing and what players surprisingly got cut because you're going to be shocked. Oh, my God. Why, why did Jim cut that guy? Oh, because he has to win because he's one in five. That is great advice how to navigate these uh, rocky waters of the bye weeks out there. Yeah, and on that Alan note, Robinson's back, man. Alan Robinson is back, baby. We saved the best uh, for last. We really did, uh, which thank God, because I think I spent the last like 10 minutes of the podcast there just talking about Alan Robinson. I won't I stop you talking would. about it there. Yeah. Thank I you, Scott. You I, I appreciate you for just teeing it up in the just the state of the Alan Robinson address right now. Um, Rob feels we want. Better. That's what we want to call the podcast. You know, it, it, we were going to call it the, the Alan Robinson address with Matt Harmon. And I guess it legal. You know, we maybe we couldn't get Robinson to yeah. sign off on it or whatever. You know, maybe Blake Bortles wanted a part of it. I, I forget what, exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, true. That's true. If if we did title it that, they would have had Blake Bortles hosting the podcast every day instead of me. And um, you know, that probably would have been fine. But my salary is a little lower than Blake's, so uh, that's why we had to change. Was Blake the year Blake Bortles was quarterback four? Was he on any of your teams? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I was all in on Robinson that year. So like yeah. as extension, I, I was like, well, you were stacking, man, stacking wasn't even like talked about as much as it is now, but you were, you were riding, you were counting your, your Benji's with the Bortles, the Robinson stack. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, man. Hey, I had to, that was my first year living out here in LA. So I had to afford it somehow. That was the way it got done. Uh, don't You're tell baller, them, man. Don't, you don't are tell my baller. Don't, don't tell my bosses at the NFL network that though, they would have uh, fired my ass on site, but uh, they were looking for reasons too. So man, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> on the Allen Robinson Express note, uh, the Blake Bortles is the host of the podcast note. That is going to do it for us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me, if you dare, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Scott, I had some guy tweet me like a, a screenshot of Allen Robinson's pro football reference page to show me that he was a actually just an average player throughout his career. I could have I lost my mind. I was like, oh, gee, thanks, fella. I'm so glad you were here to tell me about wide receiver play. Twitter, what a, what a fun website. Anyways, if you don't feel like following us, which, you know, at this rate, maybe you don't. Just follow at Yahoo Fantasy, and they'll retweet our actually good tweets, fair, few, and far in between on my end, into your timeline, and then you'll have them. Andy Barons will be back tomorrow to do the waiver wire show. We'll see what royal title he gets. Until then, we're out.